Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Jerry Ferrara and Olivia Harlan Decker. The stage is set. Time to look ahead to the wild card rounds. Anything's possible any given Sunday. That's the phrase, right? Well, it's also Saturday or Monday, whenever all these games are. Huge weekend of football ahead of us. And we're so glad you're joining us to look at the action. Jerry Ferrara, welcome back and happy new year. What was your new year's resolution? Uh, my new year's resolution was to watch more sports that if you could believe it. Okay. Whoa. And maybe not football. Yeah. I need, I miss hockey. I need to get back into UFC, but either way, the stage is set for football and my bye week is over. I am ready to go. The NFL season might've been one week too long because I this week was a little bit painful watching some of these games, but you said it perfectly. Let's go. Real quick, do you have a hockey team? I do, I'm a diehard Ranger fan, loved oh. hockey, but they did hurt that. my feelings in 95 when they had had the player lockout. It was the year after the Rangers won the cup for the first time in mm. 50 years and they had an older team. So 13 year old me didn't understand why they locked the players out. Okay. I still love hockey. Yeah, tough to explain that one to a 13-year-old. <laughs> you know, Jerry, I'm hurting. I am really hurting because I'm 0 for 3 on college football playoff games, betting-wise. I had Michigan covering. They obviously lost to TCU. Georgia covering against Ohio State. They only won by one on New Year's Eve. I think that was a two-and-a-half-point spread. And I had TCU covering in the national championship. 13-and-a-half is what I got it at. <laughs> <laughs> and you were falling. Georgia off. crushed them 65 to 7. So I don't know if it's a resolution, but like any degenerate gambler, I can't decide if I keep trying to come back or if I cut my losses and maybe, I don't know. I, I'm telling you this. I'm not gambling on the wild card round because the weirdest things happen. True. If I come back at all, it's going to be like, I'm taking really safe bets. I'm doing teasers like you. I don't know. What, what do you think I should do? Should I wait till like the divisional round? Okay. It sounds like, first of all, too, we definitely need to talk to Peter Andrew uh, mm-hmm. on the show later because he knows what it's like to kind of be on a little bit of a, a down <laughs> yeah. streak, but he and brought it back. He's really recovered. 
Can I just add too that Peter Andrews to blame? We did this together as a team. <sighs> you know, he he wasn't on the last couple episodes because we did our New Year's show and college football yeah. show last week. But him and I have been texting and doing this on our own. And in fact, he came to London with his wife. He came to London for New Year's Eve. So we spent New Year's Eve with BetMGM betting expert Peter Andrew. And we had a ton of fun. So we'll talk with Pete at the end of the show. You know, I did something for the first time ever. I, I'm going to implore you to maybe not skip the wild card round only because hmm. there is, in my opinion, there's some opportunity like this might be your last chance to bet against Skylar Thompson. Is that his name? <laughs> Whoever Miami. the Dolphins yeah. are trotting out there. This might be your last chance to bet against Tom Brady and the Bucks. although hmm. I don't know if you'd want to do that. So I already, I did something for the first time ever. I have never placed a playoff bet as early as I have. I saw the lines. What was it? We're taping this on a Tuesday. I saw them, I want to say yesterday morning, and the teaser, the three-team 10-point teaser was screaming at me. What is it? With I think it was Niners, so you get them down to like, uh, I think, minus one and a half. Like it? Giants, I think you kind of push them upward to like 14 and a half, and um, I'm forgetting the third team, which was another, it was the Bills knocking them. Basically, it's like Bills to win, Niners to win, Giants to cover 14 and a half. And I did it on a Monday. Yeah, the spread too for Bills in Miami. That's going to be torture. I mean, already the Dolphins cannot play up there. They can't play where it's cold. And then, like you said, Skylar Thompson rolling out at quarterback. And even the Tua conversation, I think, is a good one to have. And maybe we wait till next week. But if you're the Dolphins franchise, what do you do with Tua moving forward? Because, of course, he won you some big games. He got the ball rolling, everything. But I wouldn't say he's like a lock for a big extension or anything. Do you? No way. Well, first and foremost, you know, who knows? What was it, three concussions? Two, three, and yeah. two and a half months? Like, there is just such a big health concern. And in college, big injuries in college. I mean. Yeah. And I, like, I'm not going to say I know anything about concussions. And I know, sure. I'm sure, like, whoever's handling him is, knows, you know, they'll give the right information. But, like, I don't. Is it out of the question that he even plays again? I'm not trying to say his career is mm -hmm. over because he can't play. But that's a lot of concussions in a short amount of time. Bills right now are minus 10 and a half. Oh, that's bigger than I thought. Uh-oh. So that's what I meant with the 10-point teaser. So, but you could lock, and it's going to probably, it's going to get bigger. So you, I locked yeah. them in with my 10-point teaser basically to win. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's basically Bills to win because the point five doesn't matter because there's no ties. So, but I think that might go as high as, I don't know, does it get to 13? It might mm -hmm. get to 13. You know what I might do? I might wait till we get to Phoenix for the Super Bowl and we're going to be in the BetMGM like sports book, which is, yes. oh my gosh, the pictures of this place. It looks immaculate. It's mountains in the background, the stadium right in the background. So you and I have a really fun Super Bowl trip uh, just in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. So I might wait till we're actually there in the sports book and maybe just do a ton of Super Bowl props. Okay, look, we're I'm with <laughs> you like, on that. No, and that's I might bring idea. a I might bring a sleeping bag and <laughs> camp out on the Bet MGM set. Cool, like the sports, but I just might camp out there. I think that's what I'm gonna do. Plus, it's gonna be nice weather. So, oh, aren't you looking forward to that? That's gonna be a lot of fun. Well, coming up in this show, we have a great guest joining us. It's the man behind one of the most popular NFL columns, Football Morning in America, FMIA, an outstanding writer and NFL insider, Peter King will be joining us. He's he's like gold standard in sports journalism. He's at NBC now, but you might have first read Peter during his 29 years at Sports Illustrated, writing the internet's most popular NFL column, Monday Morning Quarterback. Also the author of five books in his spare time. So 
he's been at Sports Illustrated as long as I've been alive. So that makes me feel very weird about his career. <laughs> Should make you feel young. <laughs> mm, feels good. He's been there a long time. Oh, he's the best. So yeah, we have tons to talk with Peter about, about week 18 and looking ahead to wildcard round and just overall big stories. He's a big story kind of guy with incredible context in this league. I want to pick his brain too about, if we have time, I hope we do, just about the quarterback situation. I think this is setting up to be the closest thing to the, the NFL's had to like an NBA offseason mm. in the sense of what veteran quarterbacks are going to be bounced around. We know the draft and we can't wait to talk about the Texan situation. And But we know the draft, but there's going to be at least three quarterbacks that probably go rather early. So I just think it's going to be a crazy year for quarterbacks. You know, Carr is out there floating around. Garoppolo may come back. This just mm-hmm. might be moving. What are the Jets going to do? Goff sitting there in Detroit. So I really want to talk to Peter about quarterbacks going forward. Yeah, you're right. Just There's like big names and new names that all can be shuffled around. It's really exciting, especially I don't want to look too far ahead to the draft. But I mean, week 18, it's hard not to talk about draft capital. So you're right. And this season really did come down to the final game. So before we talk about playoffs, Jerry, are there any bets that you want to brag about or admit that you had really wrong? I I went first, and I haven't talked to you in about two weeks, so I'm curious if there's anything I've missed. You know, as far as like really wrong, I've been pretty solid. Like I said, the teasers have held up. My parlays, I'm like the king of three out of four, four out of five. I really should just be betting Uh these games straight up and not parlaying them because I keep winning three out of four, four out of five. So I could have been making money this whole time. But I just want it. But, you know, my parlays are more long shoddy. What I did really, what I enjoyed this week was I really bet the scenarios and it ended up being okay. But I bet like the Pittsburgh making the playoff scenario, meaning I bet mm. the Steelers. I had to sprinkle a little on the Jets, but I, I also bet the Bills. So I did okay with that. And I did bet, I just had a feeling the Rams were going to beat the Seahawks. I really did. And man, yeah. did they scare the heck out of a lot of people. And I'm not going to lie, and this is probably painful for you, all over the line. I was all, I, I've rode the Lions win streak this yeah. entire time, and I'm proud to say it. Uh, yeah. Sorry. We'll, we'll get to that one. That was brutal. Yeah. And again, I always talk about this because we're in London. When that game got slated to the Sunday night game, <laughs> You're I was like, like oh, I can't watch God, it. I can't watch. And, and the, the Georgia National Championship game, my alma mater, I have to wake up to that news. So I got to see how horribly I missed on my bet. But then also that I, I missed this complete butchering job by my Georgia Bulldogs, which would have been really fun to watch in person and all the theatrics of Stetson Bennett's last game and all this. But that's the one thing I hate about living overseas is I miss these night games. And then it's horrible when you have lost money on them. But as we do look now at the playoffs, so Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC, Eagles number one seed in the NFC. Do either one of those surprise you? No, not at all. Obviously, the the Eagles scared everyone for a minute, but that just, you know, you see really it how the value Jalen with the with the value Jalen Hurts had because Gardner Minshew is like a trendy name we all love him great yeah, for a couple God, weeks great right but you know day in day out I think now that even though the and the Giants did test them even with all their backups you know the Giants played them to the to the right. final whistle but I think they're going to be back on track their biggest issue is getting healthy and and whatever rust Hurts has though and the Chiefs know that the Chiefs don't surprise me at all. I really do think when they lose, they, they fall asleep at the wheel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how good they are. They're bored with being great. Yeah, they know, though, it might be a crazy tough road for them, you know? They might have to go through the Bengals and the Bills. Yeah, and the Bills, yeah. No, it's going to be good. AFC is going to be really good. 
But they get a rest up, obviously. And then for the Eagles to rest up, that's huge with Jalen Hurts' injury. But I'm excited to see if Kansas City can work up some more crazy trick plays that look straight out of Ted Lasso or something. I mean, that was pretty fun to watch. That's when you know they're so much better than everyone else because they actually had the balls to do that play. Of course, it was out of hand. But did you see Patrick Mahomes after the game was like, we were just messing around and Coach Reed said, I like it. Let's do it. It's pretty insane what we're watching. You know, the only real equivalent to me is like how a player or a team has changed the game is like sort of what like Steph Curry and the Warriors did with basketball of how they were the first team to really win by shooting with that much volume. Uh, You know, it Mm -hmm. used to be a shooting team can't win. You have to be able to go in the paint. You have to have a low post presence. They changed that. Mahomes and the Chiefs have just changed everything offensively. And it covers up a lot. You know, their biggest risk is going to be, can their defense hold up? And right. they're gonna, there's two good quarterbacks who are waiting for them, but he, he covers up and that offense covers up so much. Right. Well, just by the way, as I was looking back at last year's seeding, both conferences, top seeds were upset in the divisional rounds and both four seeds made it all the way to the Super Bowl Rams <laughs> and Bengals. So the Rams season is obviously done, like you mentioned, but their final game against Seattle proved to be one of the best of week 18. Seattle takes them to overtime. With a little help from their friends in Detroit, they make the playoffs. Geno Smith got a million-dollar bonus. He had a great season. What, what do you say midseason? He's like, they wrote me off. I didn't write back. Everyone was kind of cheering for Geno. Great season. Let's, and look, I think we could say, I wonder what MGM on the, let's see if we could find the odds of uh, what the two four seeds would be this year. To I don't think we're going to get a Bucks jags Super Bowl. No. Florida would go <laughs> I insane. So. I don't think we're going to get that. But yeah, for Geno, it's... It's an incredible story, and he, it hasn't been a roller coaster because that was his high moment of the year, and he was almost out of the league almost. We, we didn't know if we'd really ever see him as a starter again, and then he definitely hit a, a low point this year. It got a little rough for the Seahawks. The defense got exposed. The injuries started hitting, and then they pulled it together. That win against Detroit now is the defining win of his career in a way because that win against Detroit is what basically locked up the playoffs for them, having the tiebreak over them. Okay, you mentioned the Steelers, and I want to talk about the Steelers and the Lions, two teams that missed the playoffs but really hit a stride at the end of the season. Looking at the Steelers, they started 3-7, and seven, finished 6-1. and one. You mentioned you're kind of cheering for them. You can never count out Mike Tomlin and then the Lions. Oh, the Lions. They started 1-6. and six. They finished 8-2, and two, and Dan Campbell at halftime being very honest, very transparent. I love it. I love the passion saying we want the Packers to miss the playoffs. It was awesome. I, I don't know if I ever like, I, I'm sorry to Seattle and Miami. I feel like the rightful heirs of the seven seed were and the pack. I'm sorry, Packer fan. I feel like it's the Lions and it's the Steelers. I think the playoffs would be significantly better. Maybe this will hold up to be incorrect. You know, maybe there'll be a big upset. Maybe Miami will show up. Maybe Seattle will show up. I don't see it. I just would have loved to watch Lions-Niners. I think that game would have been awesome. Obviously, San Francisco would have prevailed, but I think it would have been a much better game. And yeah, I would have definitely loved to see Steelers-Bills. But it, it shook out how it shook out. They, both teams came on too late. But I want to talk to Peter King specifically about Goff and that situation in Detroit. Because I think that when I was talking about quarterbacks earlier and how it's going to be an interesting offseason, I think Goff is one, a big part of the interest and what they do with him and how they work that out. I think he's earned himself that job. I don't think they should draft a quarterback. Right. We've talked about it on the show, and and I'm with you. I think especially watching how he finished with 15 touchdowns and zero interceptions, I think 
lines have to extend them. I, I like it. You got to stop getting in Twitter wars over this, though, Jerry. You got to know your audience. I don't know. I Yes, I do. I know my audience. I told you, I don't really participate in Twitter that much, but and maybe I'm part of the problem because I'm sure there's someone saying that about me, like this Ferrara guy I won't get off this point. But just acknowledge when what you're saying, you know, when the narrative changed, stop trying to fit all the things into your narrative that's now changing. You know, like, yeah, the strategy of a rookie quarterback contract, it's a great way to build a team, of course, duh. When you hit on Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, sure, but we've seen the opposite of that when it's, no offense, Zach Wilson or, you know, Josh Rosen, and you wasted a high first-round draft pick. So I think the Lions are close. I think they're close, and that division is shaken up good for them. 100%. And that's why we love the NFL, right? Like, in the NBA, I don't think you'd ever see that. This, you know, we got nothing to play for, but we have a ton of pride. We want to finish with a winning record, which is very important. God, that's why you got to love the final day of the NFL season. It was it was fantastic. But another season ender in Lambeau. This is three straight seasons now that Aaron Rodgers has lost the final season, the final game of the season in Lambeau, which is just unacceptable. And, you know, after the game, Aaron Rodgers didn't want to do a jersey swap, that whole thing. He walked off with his arm around Randall Cobb, his old buddy. Uh, you know what, Olivia? When talking about the Packers, and I mentioned, like, I bet the path for that game to matter, I had the Lions getting the points. I did initially earlier in the day think, you know, all right, Lions getting the points. I just like that bet. But then once the Seahawks won, to me, that did make the, I'm not saying I was that smart. I know people have had this take. It did make the Lions, to me, much more of a threat to actually win. I didn't think they would ever pack it in, for lack of a better word, and say, yeah, let's roll over. So that's when I took some Lions money line action. But yeah, he didn't want to do a jersey swap. And they certainly, let me see, they certainly filmed and shot that like it was we were watching the end of a career. I'm sorry. I, they just shot it that way. Maybe. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers tipped his hand at all. It's certainly, they shot it in a way like you as an audience were saying, this is this guy's last game. The jersey swap thing, I didn't mind reading too much into that. Like, I guess maybe he wants to keep his jersey. I don't know. Like, the first person who runs up to you, you have to be like, oh, okay, you asked first. It's, you know, it's an Aaron Rodgers jersey. Yeah. Could be his last game in Green Bay. But it sounded dramatic the way he did it. And Aaron doesn't say anything without thought. And the way that he said, no, I'm going to keep this one. That seemed tactical. Everything about him seems tactical. Look, is there a world, though, where, I don't know, I think there's a world where maybe the Packers say, yeah, well, let's let's make something happen and let's move on from this. I don't think it's all just his decision. I think the Packers are finally at the place too where they have to think about their options going forward and how they can make this team better. And he makes a giant sum of money, which is good. He deserves it. So, but yeah, that does kind of lead us, right? I know we've been doing Audible of the Week. He walked off with his arm around his good buddy, Randall Cobb. Who knows? Maybe it was Randall Cobb's last game and that's why he was walking out like that. But this is what he said after the game in our Audible of the Week. Aaron, what's uh, going through your mind as you and Randall walk with your arms around each other off the field? I just love the man. I've uh, always had a tight friendship with him and uh, just a lot of gratitude uh, in the midst of uh, disappointment. Uh, the best part about this game is the relationships that come out of it because those last longer than the career. And I'm thankful for Randall. 
Where do you stand on what you want to do next year? I mean, it's a little raw right now. You know, it's just a little bit after the game. So I uh, want to take the emotion out of it and have the conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. Is there any sort of timetable with that? Is there like a date where you want to make your decision by? Or? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hold them hostage. Uh, you know, I understand, uh, you know, we're still in January here. March is for agency, so um, just need some time to, uh, like I said, get the emotion out of it and then um, figure out what's best. You know, you want to go out winning the Super Bowl, but it's very rare that it, that actually gets to happen. Um, don't want to, you know, lose your last game uh, and miss out in playoffs. But uh, this is a, a great profession and a really tough business, and doesn't always end with rainbows for everybody. Okay, enough of hearing from us. Let's get to the king of NFL writers, Peter King. Thanks so much for joining us again, Peter. How are you? Olivia, Jerry, I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're great. We're uh, we're kind of pulling our hair out, trying to think of all the playoff picture and all the scenarios and what we're all going to do for the wildcard weekend. And that's why we've brought in the man who can give us a little bit of clarity. But before we get to all that, we got great news, obviously, this last week on Damar Hamlin. And it led off your column and was written so well, of course. I'm curious, of all the stories that you've covered in your career, none have been quite like this. So what is your takeaway on everything? How the NFL handled it, the players, the fans, the fundraising generosity, everything that encompassed this story? You know, Olivia, the other day uh, I was on the phone with one of DeMar Hamlin's best friends. It's a guy he played high school football with in Pittsburgh. His name is Rodney Thomas. He's now a safety with the Indianapolis Colts. And at the time I spoke to him, it was still very touch and go with DeMar. Nobody was really sure exactly how he was going to be. And I think he was still in the medically induced coma. He was still heavily sedated. But uh, there was a lot of optimism about it, a lot of positive signs. And so I said to Rodney Thomas, we were talking about the fact that by this time he had whatever $6 million for a toy fund for McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, that originally he had hoped to raise $2,500. And I said, do you know that Tom Brady has donated $10,000 to DeMar Hamlin's fund? And Rodney Thomas just said, wait until he hears that. And You know, I think there is a lot, you know, I was at the game on Sunday and and there was an awful lot of, um, there was an awful lot of hope. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, we live in a very divisive time in our country. And at that time, one of the things that Sean McDermott told me after the game is that I really hope that a lot of people in our country in positions of power and leadership in our country can see what happens when everybody comes together and everybody is pulling for each other. Mm. And I thought that was a really good thing for him. He had brought it up at his press conference. And so I interviewed him for 
Football Night in America for NBC, and I asked him about it. And I found myself thinking that I think that's a really important thing. I think that politically, this is not going to bring anybody together. But I do think in a societal way, it could bring us closer together because we realize what happens if the first emotion, the first movement is going to be love and help and assistance. And um, I really hope that there's some of that that survives Mm. this period. I kind of doubt it, but I want to think positive. So those are a few thoughts I had, plus the fact that I just think that there are so many people who got some inspiration from DeMar Hamlin having nothing to do with the fact that there's probably a pretty good chance that if he wants to, that he can play football again. But it was it was different than that, really. It's all about how a lot of people came together in hope and uh, feeling a lot better about themselves and I think sports, too. So I, I think there was a lot of positives that came out of it. Yeah, as someone who tries to not be on Twitter too much, because we all know what sometimes those roads could lead to, it was really the first time in a long time or the last time I can remember where that next morning when I was kind of getting ready, it, it really was Twitter that was for the first time everyone agreeing and united on something and yeah. wanting to help and do everything they can and everyone in agreement about how like no one should play that game. So I'm with you. I did find myself thinking that the next day, I hope this just stays with us and we don't move on so fast as we all do with everything changing, at least with the good parts, because I really did feel we were all pretty united for the first time in a long time on just him being well and getting better and the job everyone did to save his life. Yeah, I think the other part of this, too, is that I think we now have some realization that, you know, I was talking to Calais Campbell of the Ravens the other day. He's on the he's a big NFLPA guy, so he's a big union guy. And he was talking about how the union, and I applaud the union for this, they have pushed very, very hard for uh, significant medical advances on the sidelines of games. And I was talking to Tom Mayer, the uh, uh, medical director for the NFLPA on Saturday night. I was at a hotel in Buffalo, and we were talking a lot about this. And, you know, I, I don't know how many people realize all of the resources that are available medically on the sidelines of NFL games to the point that if you're going to get very, very seriously injured, if you're going to be in a life-threatening situation, it sounds stupid, incredible, gratuitous to say, but the best place to be is on a field in an NFL stadium. Hmm. And again, I know it sounds crazy, but if you've got three EMTs, you've got emergency medical technicians there, if you've got some great internists, if you've got some of the best people in the world at performing CPR, if you have actually uh, someone who uh, is available to put a breathing tube down your neck at a moment's notice, I know all of that sounds a little bit graphic, but and this is going to sound almost unfeeling, but it isn't. I think the upset would be if DeMar Hamlin died because the ability to keep someone alive whose heart had stopped, but otherwise an incredibly healthy person, Mm. 
you know, Mike Ryan, who's NBC's uh, medical analyst, medicine, sports medicine analyst, he told me that in Florida, he lives down near Jacksonville. And in Jacksonville this year, there was a high school lacrosse player who got hit in the chest with a ball thrown at high speed and his heart stopped. And so at that moment, if someone performs CPR and this player was back on the field in five weeks playing lacrosse. Wow. So, and that is at a high school lacrosse game in Florida. So, and I'm not trying to, to not say that what happened to DeMar Hamlin wasn't life and death. It was. But the fact is, there's an awful lot of stories right now about the ability to bring people back like nothing ever happened. So, you know, and we'll see what happens with DeMar. I don't know if he's going to play football again. I, I don't think there would be anything to stop him from doing so. And I'm not trying to minimize what happened, but I, I just believe the upset would have been if he, if he didn't make it. You went to the Bills-Patriots game you mentioned. After the game, you got to interview Naeem Hines after he returned the opening kickoff, 96 yards for a touchdown, then again in the third quarter. You wrote about it so beautifully. I would love if you could kind of recap his relationship with DeMar and how that was so poignant at such a great time. You know, sometimes, Olivia, you go to these games and, I mean, shoot, that was like a conference championship game in the number of media, how it was covered, what happened. So my job always, I feel, I want to find out things that nobody else knows. That's just my goal. It always has been. And the one thing I found out here that was really almost just touching is Naheem Hines got traded to the Buffalo Bills from Indianapolis at the trading deadline, which was two months ago, two months and a week ago. And he didn't know people in Buffalo. And so when he reported to the Bills, you know, and just was shaking hands with people, getting to know Sean McDermott and and everybody, he was in the hot tub at the Bills and this guy walks up to him and he goes, hey, I'm DeMar Hamlin. I'm a safety here. Just wanted to say hi and, you know, welcome to the team. And all that stuff. And he said, so he was one of the first guys to introduce himself. And then every day he came up to me and he said, you're going to break one. I can feel it. You are going to break one. And they formed this little thing where he would say to him every week, they'd be preparing for a game. He'd say, this is the week, bro. This is it. This is it. Wow. And so I thought it was really cool that the week before he got hurt, that DeMar Hamlin said to him, they had this little saying among them, among the two of them, hashtag free Heinz, which is, you know, they said it to each other all the time, like, you are going to score a touchdown this week. So he said it to him before the Cincinnati game, hey, hashtag free Heinz. So obviously he didn't say it to him last week, but he told me that he's lined up to receive the kickoff. And he was thinking basically of two things. One, his buddy, DeMar Hamlin. And two, I got to do something. I have to do something. I have to make something happen to make sure that we honor DeMar in an appropriate way. And 14 seconds later, 
He's got the most famous kick return for touchdown, maybe in NFL history, but certainly in this season and certainly in Buffalo Bills history. I just got goosebumps. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I took a minute. Yeah, I just wow. just hearing that because and then thinking about and yeah. seeing that moment of just how they reacted, it really makes you think that you could, a writer couldn't write it better in a script to open the game that way. And yeah. I encourage everyone to read that piece if you haven't read it already. Um, and obviously, we're continued health and getting better for Demar Hamlin, hopefully, and uh, maybe we'll be talking about him playing again. Going to move to something that's, I, I won't say it's not as, as you know, inspiring as that, but, you know, the Monday after the NFL season, right? That's always like a day that, at least me as a fan, you start to see what really happens with coaches. We already saw what happened with Cliff Kingsbury, despite, you know, signing his extension just 10 months ago. I always find that strange. You know, you, you extend someone and then it doesn't even last more than 12 calendar months. <laughs> well, Jerry, how about this? He not only signed the head coach, he signed the general manager. So, I mean, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury are both signed for, for a full four more seasons. So, and look, there's no owner in the NFL who's looking for coins in the couch cushions to, to make sure the business runs okay. But Michael Bidwill is not independently wealthy. And the Arizona Cardinals are one of those teams. It's a family-run franchise. And so he's got to pay off a couple of people and who knows what his deal is uh, with them. And, you know, if Cliff Kingsbury gets a job somewhere, at least the money that he gets in his new place will be used to, you know, to take away some of the money the Cardinals owe him. But be that as it may, look, that was, that was a bit of a lame brain way to run your business last off season. And look, you know, the guy who you really wanted, I'm not even sure that, I'm not sure that Michael Bidwell really believed in Kyler Murray, but in essence, he had to do something with him, especially after he does the coach and general manager. I'm a little dubious about that franchise. I mean, here, I'll, I'll tell you the amazing thing. How about this? Just imagine this, okay? Exactly 13 months ago, the Arizona Cardinals were 10 and 2, and they were the number one seed in the NFC. Wow. Since that moment, they're 5 and 18. Mm. They've got the worst record in the NFC since that moment. And so, you ask yourself after a little while, you just ask yourself, uh, what happened? Yeah, what happened? Exactly. And the way they ended last year, too, and Kyler Murray playing such a lousy game in the playoff game against the Rams, I don't know. I, I'm going to segue to one thing, and it's a point I made in my column this week. If you think about it, okay, if you're the Baltimore Ravens right now, you have to answer this question. Lamar Jackson, in each of the last two years, has missed five and three-quarter games because of injury. He was hurt in the first quarter of two games and then also missed five. So Lamar Jackson has missed one-third of the season in each of the last two years. Mm. And you have to ask yourself this question. This is a guy who makes his business, you know, is his living with his legs. 
you know, as well as his arm, but he does an awful lot with his legs, okay? And yeah, and you really, I mean, do you want to pay him $45 million a year for the next five years? I don't. And if I were the Ravens, quite honestly, if I were Eric DaCosta, the GM, I'd franchise tag him and just say, we hope that you're our quarterback for the next 10 years. We can't do this. We can't sign you. And so now the question is, is there a team out there, the New York Jets, the Washington Commanders, the Houston Texans, is there a team out there that, if he gets franchised, would pay him a boatload of money, let's say $45 million a year, and would be willing to give up two number one draft picks for him? That would be one of the riskiest moves in years in the NFL. But honestly, if I were the Ravens, that's probably what I'd do. Going back to the Cliff Kingsbury part of all this real quick, do you think the pipeline of coaches from college that the NFL is drying up? We saw Matt Rule was fired this season, now Cliff. I mean, it seems like the game is not translating. Not that Cliff was very successful at the college level anyways, got to say that. I'll give you my just my gut feeling on this. Okay, if you look at where college coaches have bombed out, you will see that either A, they have a very sketchy quarterback situation, or B, their quarterback did not perform consistently very well. I think Cliff Kingsbury had another problem, and that is communicating with players and with his coaches. You know, the one thing that I've heard about Kingsbury is that he's a very, very poor communicator. And you just can't be that way as a head coach in the NFL. And he had the quarterback he wanted. And it is mind-boggling to me, mind-boggling, that in a span of 23 games that you can lose 18 of them, most of which uh, Kyler Murray played. So. I don't think it says that much. I've read all these stories. Don't hire a college coach. Eh, I don't know. I mean, you go back to Chip Kelly. He didn't work. I get it. I I, I know. But I think a great coach is a great coach. And and look, I and I don't mean this in a negative way either. I'm not sure I'd hire Jim Harbaugh, period, because he's sort of an imperious guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that, uh, especially when times get tough, tough, if they're really going to enjoy hearing a win one for the Gipper speech. So I don't know about that, but I still think, Olivia, a smart coach is a smart coach. There is something I would love your opinion on because this, you know, I mentioned before everyone sort of agreeing on Twitter. This is something that I've found myself like in some fun little battles over. And I'm, I'm in agreement with you about the, the Lamar Jackson thing with the Jets. I, I'm a Giants fan from New York. So a lot of my, I grew up with a lot of Jets fans. They always think they're one piece of way from being really good. This year, they actually might, it might've been true. They might've been a, a, a decent quarterback away from being in the playoffs. I look at that lion situation. I've been saying for a few weeks now, you know, I don't know if you want to give Goff and extend them in 40 million, but to me, just as a fan watching, that team plays hard for him. He has great chemistry with the receivers. I don't maybe St. Brown would have been a good receiver no matter what, but it just seems to be working. And 
they have such good draft picks. Like, and some people on Twitter is like, they got to draft a quarterback. To me, I think that they're a lot closer than that and could build further. I guess if you were if you were running Detroit or in Detroit, how do you handle that golf situation now having the sixth pick and I guess it's sixteen or seventeen overall? I just think that they're real close with those picks now. Absolutely, unequivocally, I'm not drafting a quarterback. Mm. Makes no sense. Last yeah. nine games of this season, Detroit Lions, seven and two. Jared Goff, 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's insanity to draft a quarterback. What you do, I think, with Goff is you basically say, listen, we want you. He's got two years left on his contract that he signed with the Rams. Okay. He's been wildly, vastly overpaid for the first, whatever, three years of it. All right. So let's just see right now. Let's just see. First four years of it, I think. But let's just see. You know, his cap number in 23 is, I think, 30.7. His cap number in 24 is 31.7. But just look at it this way. Wait until next offseason when you have complete knowledge of whether golf is your quarterback in the future. And this year, continue to build an incredibly strong roster. We're seeing it right now. You saw it with the Jacksonville Jaguars and on defense. You see the pieces in place of a rising, growing team right now. You saw Josh Allen wreck the game the other day. You know, the other Josh Allen, the defensive Josh Allen. And so just if I were Detroit, you got two picks in the top half of the round, or or almost, I think that's or top 18 or something. You got two picks. Just use that to continually build a great roster. Brad Holmes, the GM, he's a smart guy. I don't think he's going to be tempted to take a quarterback this offseason. Now let's stick with NFC North quarterbacks for a second, because maybe one that is a bit more controversial. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, again, that's my team. I would love to see a good year from Aaron Rodgers. I don't want him to stick around just to stick around now. Do you think that the hype that he left week 18 with and the postgame press conference and the keeping his jersey, all of it, do you think it's just to keep us on our toes? Or what do you think is next for Aaron Rodgers? All I know is this, Olivia. Aaron Rodgers loves taking a needle. And he loves to take a needle and stick it in the collective eye socket of the media as a whole. He loves that. (laughs) And my first thought when 10 minutes after the game, we've learned two things. He told Jamal Williams, I'm not giving you my jersey. But he put his arm around Randall Cobb's shoulder, walking off the field, nine thousand cameras in front of him snapping every picture everybody doing video of it and he's so smart i I just said aaron Rodgers, and look i might be wrong i because i don't know it's just what i thought aaron Rodgers, maybe he knows what he's gonna do maybe he doesn't know what he's going to do but how great is it for him to give off this aura of I am walking off the field for the last time. And then, now, Olivia, you were about three years old when this happened. (laughs) But in 2008, 
Well, (laughs) (laughs) in 2008, remember when Brett Favre in March basically retired, even though he really didn't want to? And then two months, I shouldn't say he didn't want to. He didn't know if he wanted to. And then two months later, he comes back. And what I will never forget about that, never forget, is how Favre just simply wasn't ready to make a decision and they made him make one. Mm-hmm. I don't think Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur are going to make him do that. I think they'll say, we'd like to know by pick a date, June 15th. That's when we need to know. No, that's when we want to know. And look, I might be wrong, but whatever he's going to make next year would make $59 million. It's hard for me to believe, especially with two young receivers who I think he sees a bright future for both mm-hmm. of them. You know, he'll be able to come back and ride out on his white horse if he just wants to play one more year. But this just seems a weird year for him to go out on. I don't know, Olivia. And I don't, I know, I mean, I know Aaron, I talk to him, but I don't know him at all. So it's just, that's just my guess. I don't know if anyone really knows him. He did say that the money doesn't matter and he would walk away. I, I got to think with the Brett Favre story and the Aaron Rodgers story, the one common denominator is they're the only NFL team with no owner. And maybe when there's not that one person you report to, it gives that player all that much more freedom when you're in this teeny tiny town and you're basically the Pope there. I mean, but you know what? Hey, Olivia, remember in 2008, Ted Thompson was the potentate. He was. He was making yeah. those decisions. Mike McCarthy was a young head coach at the time. And I will never forget, Olivia, I sat in Brett Favre's house in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. No, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did on the Saturday night before he ended up going back to Green Bay and trying kind of in a nice way to force the issue. And I remember on that Saturday night, his agent, Buzz Cook, was also in the house. It was him, Deanna, his wife, and and Buzz Cook and me. And he asked Buzz what he thought, and he goes, oh, they'll cave. They'll, they'll give in to you. Because he, Brett wanted to be released and go play for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, Peter, what do you think? And I said, Hey, I I don't know. I said all I know is that I was on the phone with Ted Thompson and McCarthy the other day. And I just want you to know that if Ted Thompson releases you, you're going to sign with Minnesota. Ted Thompson will be hung in Ashwaubenon. <laughs> I mean, he won't be able to show his face in this town. I mean, I'm serious. Oh, and gosh. and I said, you, you, if I were you, I would say, okay, which team would I be okay playing for? I may not love it, but which team would I be okay playing for? And then the Jets or the, the Bucks, and then really play and try to stick it up their rear end. And that's essentially what he ended up doing. He played one year with the Jets and then two with the Vikings. And for all those people, I remember at the time, oh, my God. Favre will never be able to go back in town because he was in the purple and all that stuff. I I said, you know what? I remember seeing Jerry Rice at the end, mm. going hat in hand, going to try out for every team he could. 
oh my God, he's ruining his legacy. He's this, that, and the other thing. Jerry Rice walks on the field at a 49ers game now and people genuflect. Yeah. They absolutely love him. And it's the same thing with Favre. I always knew, and look, this latest thing, who knows what'll happen. But I always knew that Favre would be able to go back and people would love him because of what he accomplished on the field. I know we got to get you going, Peter. And thank you so much for the time. Last quick thing before you go. Is there any team underdog going into this weekend that you see has a chance to maybe pull an upset? I mean, a chance. I'm not saying make a prediction, a chance, the best chance. Well, the question is, I don't know what the, uh, and I know I should know the odds being on this podcast, but no, that's okay. okay. I don't know what they are. <laughs> Like, look, I don't, I don't think that the Ravens, even with Lamar, who certainly won't be 100%, mm-hmm. I don't see the Ravens going into Cincinnati and winning that game. I can definitely see Dallas going in and winning in Tampa, but I think that's really a coin flip because the Cowboys, every other week in the last month, they have stunk it up. Mm-hmm. So you tell me who's going to show up Monday night in Tampa. I kind of like the Jaguars to beat the Chargers, but is that really an upset? I don't know. Good point. And the one team, even though it seems odd to say this, Seattle knows the 49ers so well, and they've played them every 10 minutes, it seems. You're always looking up, and it seems like once a month, Seattle and the Niners are playing, and they've got this history. And Pete Carroll knows that franchise. I, I don't think Seattle's going to win that game. But that is the game of every game this weekend that probably intrigues me the most. And don't you find it weird, honestly, how the NFL scheduled these games? It's the yeah. first game that Seahawks <laughs> Niners is the first one up. In Santa Clara, California, it'll mm. be on a muddy track probably with all the rain on the West Coast right now. And the 49ers, to me, I I mean, if you ask me right now, give me your power rankings. Top two teams in the league, to me, are the 49ers and the Bengals. And the 49ers are a two seed, and they've uh, they've got the first game of the weekend at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. This is the game that's regularly reserved for Jacksonville and Houston, <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's the 49ers. And I kept thinking to myself, this is such a weird thing to me. And then how about on Sunday, the first game is the Bills. You know, they're like the new America's team with DeMar Hamlin. And I just, I don't know, the scheduling this week. And first of all, there's no game that is absolutely must see. There just isn't. Mm-hmm. But I think the whole thing is, it's just, uh, it's going to be an odd weekend. Something will happen. Two or three good things will happen to make it fun. But it's just an odd collection to me of six games where the only real 35 million people watching the game, I think, is Dallas and Tampa. Because look, you know, if the Dallas Cowboys were on TV painting a house, it'd get a crowd, it'd get a an audience of 20 million. So they're going to get a huge number for that game. Plus, it could be Brady's last game. But even that, the Cowboys have been crappy. And the Bucks every other week just lay a gigantic egg. 
I don't know. I mean, who knows? It could be a fantastic game, but that's probably the game of the weekend, and we're going to have to wait a long time for it. Uh, Peter King, thank you so much. We have taken up too much of your time. You have stories galore, and we'd love to get you back on here because we just barely scratched the surface. Anytime, Olivia. Really appreciate it. Good being on with you, Jerry. Thank you, guys. Great having you, Peter. Thank you again. I've been very busy doing my homework, Jerry. I have been binging Entourage. I finished season five finally and started season six. I'm like really in the weeds. Like when I think about the hours I've spent watching this show, it has been such a treat. Uh, Like I've told you before, I'm so late to the party. One thing that you told me was going to happen in season six is all of a sudden you start morphing into the Jerry that looks more like I see now. Like you get really skinny in episode one of season six. Yeah, that's the thing with, and that's how HBO kind of moved back then. I think they still move like that similarly. There was always a pretty good break in between seasons, right? Mm. Sometimes upward of like eight months, depending on how long things took or got pushed back. So think about what you could do in eight minutes. So toward the end of season five, I started to get on my little fitness journey and because I had just turned 30 years old, I wanted to just really start to feel better. And then I had eight months off and didn't work a ton in those eight months and yeah i think i lost like 45 pounds 45 pounds and is it gonna keep falling off every episode i mean by season seven they start making skinny jokes about me okay so far no one's addressed it like it's not in the dialogue at all yeah it's not again i i think at this point i I think maybe you're early on season six i think Mm -hmm. i was maybe like 25 down so by the end of season six it was i i think i'm i lose like 45 and then coming back to season seven it was a clean 60 god season seven i think i was or maybe it's eight i don't even remember i was like 144 pounds a character on the show i'm loving at this stage of the show is your mom and (laughs) i'm curious how much of the hometown that you guys go back to, the neighborhood you guys are in, and your moms, Vince's mom and your mom, who are really great characters, great color. I'm curious how similar that is to where you actually grew up in the situation. Like, is that how your mom talks? So, you know, I remember back then, the actress, Camille Savola, who was amazing, who played my mom, she did recently, or maybe within the last few years, I know she passed away, unfortunately, but she was like on Broadway. She was like a real deal baller actress. I do remember my mom wanted to play the part of my mom. No. And this was like the joke. I didn't actually like she didn't audition, but I gate like I would pretend like we'd practice it. And let's just say I don't think I get my acting ability from my mom. Let's just say that. Uh, So my mom, if you ask her about that, she jokingly doesn't think the performance is authentic at all and thinks she would have been way better. Doug did a really good job. Doug Allen capturing. I grew up in Brooklyn, but that part of Queens where, you know, it was a real community. You just walk in each other's houses yeah. and my friend's parents were allowed to like discipline me if they caught me acting yep. up when I was a kid. Like the whole neighborhood really kept an eye out on each other. So very, very close to what I grew up like. Now, a part of this whole thing when you guys go back to New York in your home is a phone sex scene, <laughs> which your mom interrupts and yells. And I was just thinking, my God, to, uh, to see that written and read it in the table read to then rehearse it and do the scene and then have your parents watch it. I mean, 
walk me through this because that's very awkward i imagine listen i think on in total with entourage i had like uh two or three sort of either like sex scenes or just kind of like hookup scenes I, yeah. first of all the worst they are yeah. the worst i'm sorry whatever you think out there listening like that must be cool it is not cool it's not fun it's not like it's stressful and you just want it to be over quickly Ugh. and luckily for me i that that was not so like you see the amount of stuff adrian would have to do played vince versus me i didn't really have to worry but of course you start getting in more shape and all of a sudden you're a love interest uh, and now you have to do that stuff more ooh. uh it always was rough watching all those scenes at the premiere with our families uh fortunately the one you're talking about the phone call one like yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but at least it was on the phone. No one else was yeah. there. I didn't have yeah. to worry about how my breath smelled or anything like that. <laughs> but terrifying. Like, if I never had to do one of those scenes for the rest of my career, oh. I would be like, great, yeah. sign me up. How, what yeah. do I have to do to not do that again? When you get married, do you and your spouse have rules about that? You know, my wife is an, is an actress yeah. as well. So, I mean, no, there's no rules like but there is obviously like like yeah like you just the rule is the same way you'd be with your other co-star like you just it's just gonna be as professional as possible again there's dozens and dozens of people around watching yeah uh so like yeah i i don't i don't think we have rules but i i guess the rule would be just like don't hide it like you know if you have to go do a scene like that Tell Don't me. leave that part out of the description. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, it's this cool movie where I'm a cop and I jump over a car and I shoot people. And I, oh, yeah, and there's this, like, giant, like, crazy sex scene I'm in. Don't leave that part out, I would right. say, is the rule. Don't right. surprise them with that. I've always wondered that about acting and if it's your spouse. And that actually comes up in Entourage with Ari and his wife when she goes right. back to do What Days of Our Lives or something. Okay, last question at where I'm at. You guys go on Leno or Vince goes on Leno and you guys all mm -hmm. go there. How do you do that? Because that's actually in a couple movies, whether it's Fallon or whoever, like these guys who host these late night talk shows, they clearly are open to doing this. And I'm yeah. always curious, do they do it like right before their actual taping of their show so that the audience is there? How do, how do you do that? Yeah. So the first time we ever really did it, and in my opinion, it was like, I think of the early, early episodes, it was the episode that I think everyone figured out this is what the show is. If you remember in season one, we all go on, Vince goes on the Jimmy Kimmel show. Right. This yeah. was like season one of Jimmy Kimmel. He's now been on for like 25 years or whatever. This was so early on. Mm. And with that, we filmed right before. And I think similarly with Leno, yeah, you either go, because they tape those shows at three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. you know, and and the audience is in. So I, I either think it was, I think it was probably after their show because they want to keep the studio audience there as well. And then you just run in and do your thing. Your goal with that is to be at least intrusive as possible. Because yep. yeah. so, everyone's there working. Like imagine if someone came right now, be like, hey, we're going to do this other show on your podcast real quick. Give me your mics. We'll be done in right. a half hour. It's like, all right. But yeah, Jay was great that day. And he was super down to play around and have fun with it. And yeah, we all just hung out at the, at the Tonight Show for, you know, two hours. Oh, I love it. And I love the evolution of Turtle. It's such a joy to watch. And I, again, I watch with my baby and I'm like, look, there's Uncle Jerry having phone sex. Yeah. As <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jerry. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you got some more fun stuff coming up to, uh, with season, season six. In the category of what you were talking about, like significant other having to do some racy yeah. scenes. That comes up more. I don't think you've gotten to that yet. Oh, yikes. So stay tuned. The Lions. Lions. 
All right, now that the regular season is over, it's on to the playoffs, which is going to make this part of the show even more of my favorite part because it's the playoffs. And let's let's keep making money and let's bring in our odds-on favorite, BetMGM betting analyst, Peter Andrew. First time I'm talking to you in 2023. Happy New Year, buddy. How has 2023 been treating you so far, betting-wise? Yeah, so uh, NFL has been great so far. I had a great last week. I cashed in on a couple big props. Week 18 is the big prop week because everybody's trying to hit that number, get that extra incentive and that bonus. And I think specifically I got lucky with the Dolphins covering because that late safety. And then I had Niners big. They blew out Cardinals out of the water. So so it was good there. But to wrap up 2022, the night of, I was with our friend Olivia here in London on New Year's Eve. And I think we just lost every single college bet. So college semifinals national championship on monday we just we lost them all so we're in a, we're in a dark spot right now seems like i saved a little bit of money by not coming on that trip between airfare and what i would have lost betting with you and peter i feel like i saved myself a little money not being in london for new years and the drink tab <laughs> well that i would have definitely not paid for i would have tried to get out of that one <laughs> we're not far away from arizona though so uh don't count yourself out yet mm-hmm. there's still money to be lost or made in a couple weeks. All right. Before we get into it, too, I just want to point out you are wearing a very fancy Doral hat for our golfers out there. You played Doral, right? Yep. Which is a course yep. is a dream course. I've been dying to play Doral. Also, I will point out golf really fun sport to bet on. I had some golf bets over the weekend that I lost. We won't talk about that. How'd you play Doral real quick? So I shot well relative ninety four there from the blues, which is That's about 6,800 yards. It's That's a great. tough course. And on your golf point of betting, we got some fun stuff in 2023 from the golf angle. So lots to talk about as the season starts to kick off. As we get towards the players in March, we're going to have some really cool stuff for you guys on Bet Gym. If you haven't even just, just start looking. I know it's early in the golf season now. Just start taking a look because as you get closer to the majors, it gets really fun. But we're going we're gonna to go into now something we know is proven and true to be fun, which is betting on the NFL playoffs in the divisional round. So, Peter Andrew, what are you thinking for this divisional round week? Yeah, so I got three bets. I'll start with the simplest one first. Bengals minus six and a half. I think Bengals are peaking at the right time. They look amazing. And you got a Ravens team that's really interesting right now. Lamar should be back this weekend, Sunday Night Football, but he's coming back missing over a month. A lot of questions. Dobbins health, Mark Andrews, a lot of guys on the defensive side. I just don't know where we're going to get out of them. So I'm taking the points. Six and a half, Bengals. I, I think they're in cruise control this first game. To me, they're one of the four best teams probably in the NFL. So I like them there to cover. I've got four units, so $40 to win $76 there to cover that spread. That's first off. I don't know. Jerry, where's your head at there? As a an Ohio better now, now that we're live in BetMGM in, in the great state of Ohio? Oh, and let me tell you, let me tell you, BetMGM, you got Ohio. I was at a poker game this week. A lot of bad Browns takes. I think a lot of Browns fans are like, the Browns are beating the Steelers this week when we're, and we're betting them on BetMGM while we were playing poker. I'm like... That's a terrible bet. The Browns are not beating the Steelers. But uh, I'm with you. I think Cincinnati, I, you know, I always get nervous with Harbaugh as a coach because he's so gritty and that team is gritty. But I just don't think you can bet on Baltimore. So if you are going to put some action on the game, I just think it has to sway in the Bengals way. And I think that no, I would love it a lot more at six, but six and a half, I still think uh, seven and over is a good number. So I'm with you on that. And 40 to win 76 is, is sweet. Yeah, absolutely. So that's four units there. You got six left. Cool. So 
little home cooking for each for each of us, for me and for you here. First, I'll start with me. Niners, 4.30 game Eastern on Saturday against the Seahawks, against your Seahawks. Niners are one of those teams, I don't even want to say they're peaking right now. They've won 10 in a row. They've been peaking. It doesn't matter. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance, Jimmy G. I mean, the team is just so well-rounded. I think what you're seeing, though, with Brock Purdy, he's developed really good kind of one and two options with McCaffrey and Kittle. Kittle has played probably as good as Travis Kelsey these last four or five games with Purdy, you know, behind center. So I've got both of them to score an anytime touchdown. So both McCaffrey, Kittle. I got Niners on an alt spread minus six and a half just to buy myself a couple of points there from the yeah. 10 that it currently is. And then over 42 and a half points. I mean, you saw what the Niners did to the Cardinals last week. 38 points, I think, within three quarters. Then they brought in all their backups. That offense is legit. Obviously, that defense is legit. Defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa. I think it's been taken down on most books now because it's pretty much a lock. You got a team that just can do everything right. I think they come through this round looking really good, and they're, they'll be focused on divisional round pretty shortly. And a couple of things, and maybe this is, look, I'm sorry. I, no one was on Seattle more than I have been this year. What do you think that spread is? Right now, you have the alt spread, but right now it's Niners us nine and a, minus nine and a half. Uh, what do you think that spread is if it was the Lions rolling into town? I have it at like six and a half. Yeah. Um, I think probably for Lions and Packers, you're probably looking at something similar around there. Yeah. But, but with the Hawks, where they're at, yeah, it's probably a three point difference. So and and last fair. thing on your Kittle anytime TD, the one, look, say what you want about Brock Purdy. If the Niners win the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is undefeated and a Super Bowl champion. That would be unprecedented to say. He would be an undefeated Super Bowl champion rookie quarterback. But also, the one thing he has done that it, for some reason Jimmy G was not able to do, and maybe it's not his fault, he unlocked Kittle. Whatever it was, or yep. maybe Kittle got healthy at the right time, but whatever it is, say what you want about Brock Purdy. He knows, he has chem, instant chemistry with George Kittle. And maybe that's not that hard because Kittle is great. So I, I like that best. So that's what, 30 to win 188? 30 to win 188. Three units there, yep. Okay, love it. And you got, uh, you got three remaining. A little bit of a dog parlay here. Two teams that I think very well could win this weekend. Jags at home against the Chargers. And then your New York football Giants. Going into Minnesota, I am not buying this Minnesota team right now. They are the worst defense in the league. Giants are kind of clicking at the right time outside of just Daniel Jones and Saquon, Slayton, Richie James Jr., Hodgins. I think, you know, they are not 1A wide receivers, but they're all finding ways to win and finding ways to to contribute into their offense. I think they're going to put up points, and I think Vikings are going to have to put up 25 to 30 points for this to be a game, it's probably a close one. I wouldn't say the Giants are going to blow them out, or I don't think the Vikings can either. But I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter and who just makes that last play to win the game. As it goes for the Jags, you're finally seeing a college playoff Trevor Lawrence. He is a top five, top seven quarterback this year, just performance metrics. He's played really well. He's running the ball. I think his one fault is probably he's just got to keep the ball and not fumble it. I think he has nine fumbles this year, which is concerning. But a Chargers team that seems very inconsistent. Some weeks they look like they can put up 35 at will, and oftentimes they're putting up two touchdowns. So I like Jags at home. I just I think this is a really important game for them. Probably their first home playoff game in probably five, six years since they lost to the Pats a couple years ago. Since Mark Brunel. I th- oh, no, yeah, I think uh, Blake Bortles had a home playoff game, right? Yeah, I think it's that Bortles right before they lost to the Pats and then it's yeah. uh, the AFC Championship. But but I think it's an important game for them. and. And the Chargers just are not who we thought they were probably early in the season when we all we were doing was bragging about the AFC West. 
so, and Olivia, jump in. Yeah, go ahead. Get in, Olivia. Well, I was curious what you were going to say about Chargers Jags because this one I could see going either way. I mean, Jags, such a good story, right? On the rise. Great for Doug Peterson after all the drama, all the turmoil. They finished on a five-game win streak. Defense, much better. Chargers make me a little bit nervous with, you know, playing their starters in that final game where it didn't feel like they had to as long as they did. I think that was a little controversial and I mean Jacksonville I feel like it's kind of played it smart winning the AFC South and invested in the right positions like their receiving core Christian Kirk Zay Jones they they made really smart offseason moves and um I just can't believe we're talking about Jacksonville right now you know listen the further that point Olivia too I was going to say with the Jags don't I, I I'm not getting fooled by the fact that they almost lost to Dobbs and the Titans because to me in a win and you're in game, Vrabel's one of the few coaches I wouldn't want to see in that scenario. I think Vrabel, as a coach and how he talks to that team, gets them. You have to kill them to win, and I think that's what the Jaguars did. They want that is a tough, tough game to win because of the coach, because of those players. So I don't sleep on that win, even though they escaped with a win. That's not the right word. I think you have to kill the Titans to end their season. So I feel good about the Jags too. I don't like that the Giants are now like a thing and people are talking. Don't sleep on Kenny Galladay. Caught a, la- a late touchdown in that game. Nothing would be more Dable-ish than if he just put Kenny Galladay on the bench because he had the wrong attitude and now he's going to unleash him in the playoffs. That would, that's my unleashed. Unleash Kenny Galladay, please. $18 million a year. Unleash him. I saw a funny tweet. He needed, I think, <laughs> 75 more catches to get his like bonus. <laughs> I mean, That's brilliant. But yeah, I hear you. And I think the Giants are a hot pick this week because where they've kind of gone and starters, I mean, no starters played basically the other day and they looked really good versus yeah. an Eagles team that was playing everybody. But, but I think it's more about the Vikings. I think they just cannot stop a nosebleed on defense. I mean, we've seen it multiple times where they're giving up 30 plus points. Giants are clicking at the right time. And back, just last point on on the Jags, I think beating the Titans is a playoff-type win where it's a gritty win. They played awful in the first half, the Jags, but their defense is no joke, and they kept, yeah. they kept Titans pretty in check in the second half, and that's ultimately how they were able to win. So uh, so you're starting to see that playoff football week before this started, and I think they, they hopefully continue that going into this week. Did we give the odds on that? You have that three units. That's what, three, 30 to win 138, right? Yeah, sorry. So 30 to win 138 there. So a nice little hefty payout. Those both technically underdogs. I think the Jags are probably minus 105. It's basically a pick em right now. And the Giants being plus three, it's a decent plus one and change. So uh, yeah. yeah, 30 to win 138. There's got to be some dogs winning somewhere. And I don't see it in these massive spread games. I don't see the Dolphins coming close to the Bills. Don't see the Seahawks coming close to the Niners. A lot of question marks around teams that probably aren't built for the playoffs. Do you see it with our one playoff home dog? Because I might see a little something there. Our one playoff home dog, Tampa Bay. I just, I, I, I'm going to have a little sprinkle, <laughs> a little sprinkle on Tampa Bay, just maybe to make that game a little more interesting than it might be. Yeah, I think Dallas is probably on the downfall at the wrong time. So I like Tampa there. That was one I was considering putting in the picks. Dallas looks strange right now, but then again, so does Tampa. I mean, that Dallas could win by 40. Tampa could win by Tampa's 10. Tampa's the think, strangest. I think Tampa is the strangest, the strangest, uh, like relatively good team or playoff team, I should say. There's a lot of stranger teams at the bottom 
that could beat anyone. Olivia, anything else on this play? I, I think you got a good card, Pete. I might emulate a lot from this card. I want to wish everyone good luck in the divisional round. It's time to play, like grow your playoff beard, do your playoff hair, get your seat, whatever you got to wear, whatever you do that's, you know, a little superstitious. It's time for such superstitions. Do you have a specific playoff jersey regardless you're rocking it? I am so weird about this. I do not rock my team's color and logos on game day. I just, wow. it's never worked. When I, if I wear a giant shirt, they lose. If I wear a Knicks shirt, they lose. So I actually have worn opposite, like if we're, I swear, more with basketball, but like I've worn Eagles socks when the Giants are playing the Eagles. Like I, I, I don't, I, something weird happens when I rock my team colors. It does not work out for me. Will you assume Niners make the Super Bowl? Will you rock Niner red for me? No, absolutely not. Fair enough. Kind of respect that answer. I mean, you don't need, like, you, why do you need it? I'll rock red because they'll be playing the Chiefs again. So I'll, I'll wear some Ooh. red. That's, uh, that's, I think that's the matchup. I don't think be. anybody's beating the Chiefs. So, all right. Well, good luck, Pete. Thanks for, uh, yeah. I like your card. Thanks for uh, 2023. Now let's, let's get off on the right foot here. Now's where it counts. So thank you, Peter, Andrew, and uh, Olivia. I think that's going to do it for us on this amazing divisional round that we have going in. Good luck to you. I, look, just look at the divisional round. I'm not saying you have to go in. I know you said you might wait for the Super Bowl, but just, just peruse. Give it a look, and then yeah. we'll get us ready for the Super Bowl. The one that has my attention right now after we've talked more about it is Bill's Dolphins. And Peter, just to catch you up earlier, Jerry was saying, take it now before the number goes up. I think right now it's at 10, taking the bills to cover. It is now 10 and a half. 10 and a half. <laughs> and there's, I mean, there's what, a 10% chance that Tua starts. If it's Skylar Thompson or Teddy Two Gloves, they got no shot. Okay. All right. Oh, see, I'm back in already. <laughs> I thought I was going to She's lose. back in. <laughs> I'm sick of losing. <laughs> I know. Also, I think everyone else is back in. And don't forget to subscribe to the BetMGM Unleashed Podcast YouTube page where you could see our lovely mugs and watch this all uh, happen in front of you in, in, you know, in visual form. We are visual people at times. I don't even know what to do with myself that the playoffs are here. Week 18, too many weeks. So let's get to the good stuff. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, shout outs to our other podcast guests who have been here with you, Olivia. Yeah. Best guest we've ever had. I was going to say, this is one of those times, and I think a lot of people with kids can understand where you're just trying to make it work. And I have an eight-month-old dictator who's just kind of messing up our whole show right now. So if you are watching, you've probably noticed me looking down at the floor and trying to pull things out of his hands the whole time. But yeah, my little baby is, is joining us, a live studio audience. I thought it was an amazing performance. Uh, and hopefully you'll all have an amazing performance this weekend. Good luck, everybody. And we will yes. catch you next week. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.